1: I'm Joel Grote.
2: And I'm Lynn Wilder, and we're back for another awesome talk.
1: Absolutely. Today Lynn... grace. We, yeah. And today we've got a special guest. I'm I let love you intro when order. we
2: have guests. I know.
1: It's so much more fun when it's not just the two of us. So. Oh! <laughs> did
2: I hear you say that?
1: <laughs> did I say that out loud? <laughs>
2: We have today somebody really special in my life. This is Alicia Wilder, and you might recognize the last name. This is my precious daughter-in-law, the wife of Micah Wilder, who became born again in the Lord Jesus Christ while on a Mormon mission. So? Alicia, tell us a little bit about
3: yourself. (laughs) Your background, yeah. Yeah, thank you for having me on. So, because of the background story with Micah, he was a Mormon missionary and he had gone on his mission after we had developed a relationship and friendship. So, when he left, we stayed friends and stayed in contact and wrote back and forth. Um, So, part of my journey started um, back before that, but just growing up, I was always more of a righteous upstanding trying my absolute best type of a person you could have asked anyone in my family or neighborhood or ward and they would have said i was a good example to live by and you know someone who they respected as following the church standards and so to get to the point in my life where i'm going to byu and i've um doing my very best and i'm there in college, I started to have God show me and open my eyes to, to s- just missing something. Okay. And mm. he kind of led me to feeling like I've done my absolute best, but why is there still something missing? Like, why do I still feel the worthlessness? Why do I still feel the insecurities and the, the uncertainty? Right, And yet I was You know, according to the standards, I was living it like probably better than most of the people. And so, can I stop
1: you here? So, (laughs) were you a convert to the church or were you born into an LDS family?
3: I was born and raised into an LDS family, a generational All
1: right. um, So, this this has been part of your life for like forever. And going back. Uh Okay.
2: I think her mother's family helped settle the area we lived in. My mother's family
3: (laughs) helped settle into (laughs) the alpine area. Up okay. in.
1: So you're faithful, you're being worthy, you are someone that people would say, younger kids maybe, hey, you need to emulate mm-hmm. Alicia because she's really doing it right. She's faithful. really, yeah, faithful mm-hmm. too. Okay.
3: Yeah, and I would get up on Sundays and the, I think it was Fast and Testimony Sunday when you could get up and bear testimony, and I would challenge myself to get up every time. So I was one who would get up there and be willing to share my testimony, which which included Jesus and the church and having faith and all this stuff. But but I got to college and realized where exactly is my faith, okay, <laughs> I guess, right. you know? Yes. Like, <laughs> this faith that I say I have in Jesus, I feel like I have it in Jesus, but what does that mean? And... Why does that not change the worthlessness that I feel about who I am? Mm,
1: right. And so mm. while you're in college, Mike is on his mission. Yes. Okay.
3: So he's on his mission and I'm at BYU. All right. And so am I. And she yeah. would stop by and see me. <laughs> oh well you know, that's yeah. kinda fun, yeah.
1: Because <laughs> you were teaching there. So when's what's the what's the next step in your transition in your story?
3: Yeah, well, at that point, when God's starting to open my eyes to this emptiness, um, Micah, at the time, I guess, had already met and a pastor shared with him the gospel. And he had started reading the New Testament, but nothing concrete or decision-making-wise. But he just started, you know, like, investigating, looking for who God really is. So he started... Did he let you you in on any of that? Only a little bit, but at first it was just... he's. I guess it had been going on for a few months, and finally he reached out to me in an email and said, hey, I want you to know that God loves you deeply for who you are, and he loves you unconditionally, and there's more to God that maybe we didn't understand growing up or, you know, whatever, that now he's starting to have this idea that God is bigger than something that he thought of before, so...
1: Okay.
2: So... That's a huge idea. It is a huge idea.
1: I was going to say, so (laughs) when he... Is that... Now, when you hear that from him, when you get that email, is that something that where you're at in your personal trajectory, Mm -hmm. that that's encouraging to you? Does it strike you as strange? Um...
3: Well, that's kind of what I was looking for, right? I didn't okay. want to feel worthless. I didn't want to feel empty. I wanted to know that God knew who I was, that God cared about me, that that there was some sort of purpose to all of this yeah. and not just in the end, I may or may not make it, right? right? And had so, you
1: expressed any of that to Micah? Had you no, said to him, I'm mm-mm. struggling with... Okay. I was no, going to say, because if you had, I would have thought that was really strange because that typically <laughs> doesn't happen no. within the culture. You don't talk no, about this misgivings.
3: And um, when we left, um, when he left on his mission, we left purely as, like, just friends, simple, nothing relationship-wise so that he could focus on being a good missionary and I could focus on school. Right. So, yeah, that was not part of the conversation. <laughs> so it was out of the blue and a shock and surprise, especially when I had started seeing this um, awareness to the facade of everybody around me recognizing it in myself. Do I have a facade? Do I really know that God loves me, but I'm trying my best and am I right. putting on a face or not, even though mm-hmm. I am doing my best? But
1: okay. So, when does the next kind of chunk in the story or the next <laughs> change
3: yeah, happen? Well, he encouraged me to read the Bible as a child to get to know Jesus better. And that was a little different to hear that, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I know who Jesus is, but, but. So did you? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I read in John, the first chapter explains that Jesus is the word. And that to me was like, wow, like God gave us something that we can hold on to and trust that this is God's word and it's Jesus and he's in it and part of it and it's alive. And that was not something I really fully came to understand for a long time, but just simply having that idea that I could trust the words of Jesus, at okay. least from the first four books of the gospel. Right. <laughs> sure, <laughs> you know, okay. That was where I was at at that time. So.
1: All right. So at some point, Micah comes home from his mission. Well, when does Micah tell you that... <laughs> He's made a radical change in terms of his understanding of God and his relationship with Um, Jesus.
3: Yeah, well, it wasn't really something we both were looking for. We weren't looking to dramatically change out of Mormonism. Right. And I think God allowed us together to, you know, separate parts of the country, individually walk with him and get to know him, so get to know God. And so while I'm getting to know God by reading the word, Mike is getting to know God by reading the Word, and I want to say it was 10 months or so of each of us separately reading the Word, maybe a year, when it was finally clear that my idea of God in Mormonism didn't fit the. Grandeur of who God is in the New Testament.
2: Okay, wow. <laughs> yeah, wow. big revelation. <laughs> so that was
3: a slow revelation, but by the time you know, just studying the Word, by the time I got to the point that that was the reality, it was almost like, uh oh, what do <laughs> what do I do now? Right? Yes. Yeah. And um, I just remember reading when Micah encouraged me. Um, that Jesus says that we're supposed to turn and become like little children and you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. um, But whoever humbles himself like the little children is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So just that seeing that journey is I wanted to be God's child. I wanted to be known and recognized and I was willing to just simply give him a chance on reading his word and as yeah. a child just simply like I want to know <laughs> you know and so by the end of it it was not what I expected to to learn or to come up with but right. it, it was irrefutable mm. who that right. yeah. was
1: so you're the daughter of very committed dedicated sincere um, LDS parents Mm-hmm Are you sharing any of this with them, your way at school? Now, you lived in Utah, right? I lived at home,
3: actually. Oh, so you
1: lived at home while you went to BYU. BYU. Okay. Mm
3: -hmm. Close enough. I could take the bus. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. That's handy. So, randomly, I would share things. Um, I started to share a little bit with my dad when he would drive me to the bus stop (laughs) and have some more personal conversations, or I'd ask him tricky questions that I had started reading about and started learning and so some of those tricky topics he didn't have an answer for and i thought it was pretty clear because the word said it was such and so taking it as a child just literally reading the word for what it is not trying to make it into something else that fit into my box of beliefs
1: right so what is what is their response and is it so it's just oh Alicia's doing some reading. Alicia's got questions. Yeah.
3: But as far as they're concerned,
1: you're still on a good path Mm -hmm. in terms of your LDS faith.
3: Yeah, as far as I was concerned, I still was, too.
1: Okay. So when did that
3: change? I don't know exactly. It (laughs) It just was that process of being washed by the Word, I feel like. Slowly and more time I spent in the Word, the more those ideas of Mormonism and religiosity in the world slowly just became unimportant or invalid through reading about the truth. Yes.
1: So then where are you at in your spiritual journey when Micah comes home from his mission?
3: Mm -hmm. Um, At that point, it's a very hazy time frame, but... (laughs) Um, near the end of his mission was when I finished a semester at BYU and had kind of taken the New Testament course as like a last draw. Like, okay, is this, is the New Testament that Mormonism is teaching the same as what I'm reading? So okay. I did that as like last semester thing. Mm, so,
2: how'd that go? It
3: was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being like alive in class and everybody else seemed dead right everybody else just mm-hmm. kind of seemed like the words went over their head and I was like wow this is awesome <laughs> like what did I just read like something so exciting about about God and, and I would bring up questions with the professor and I'm not sure if here, I think it was a he, if he knew exactly what I was asking about and just kind of skirted the question under the rug, because he knew it would be possibly problematic with the class. So,
1: Okay.
3: I, uh, that's all I really remember, just learning new stuff, being excited about what I was learning, and seeing even furthermore, like, the distance between... God's Spirit teaching me something that I couldn't ask a professor to answer, and they should know. I, right.
1: Yes, yeah.
3: <laughs> they should know the answer. So that was
2: interesting. So differences began to be.
3: Yeah, more clear could, at yeah. that mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. So by the end of that semester, the differences were pretty certain in my mind that I couldn't continue to do one and do the other <laughs> at the same time. Right.
1: But. All that is being generated by Mm -hmm. simply your study of the Word of God.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So there is no outside influence. You are not reading anti-Mormon literature. You're not even reading commentaries from like Christians of other denominations or stripes. You're simply (laughs) going to the Word and letting the Word speak and saying, wow, the Word is clear Mm -hmm. and yet the clear Word is different than what i'm being taught or even what's being taught in my new testament class
3: yeah so to finish your question <laughs> micah got off his mission or got kicked off mid-january and i had finished my semester at byu december um christmas time we had a conversation on the phone so he's able to call home so yep. i Christmas. went over to their home <laughs> and had a conversation with him this is a pivotal moment in our lives like this is really like dramatic that i i don't think i can believe what mormonism says anymore and i i have to just follow jesus but what do i do about that right so he and i had that conversation and and realized yeah like <laughs> god is worth it to, mm-hmm. to give him our, our all and our hearts and to trust him and to just kind of let go of the things that we once thought our life would be entirely focused around.
1: Right. Mm. And that he
3: and I would grow up, you know, faithful Mormons and work our way up the ladder and have our little fun, happy life Forever in Utah. Forever family. <laughs> and and, yep. Mm-hmm. All that stuff. So, so that was a challenge. But... Um,
1: so at... Okay, so this is a little bit more personal. Sure. So so at what point does the... We're just friends go into... Okay, no, this is more serious. And <laughs> what was... I mean, did you ever... Okay, so I'm just imagine, uh-huh. imagining him coming home for his mission going, what are people going to think? I mean, my family, my friends, they're all still... Committed Mormons, and he starts talking with you, and he's like, "Oh my heart, this person was my friend, you know, maybe not officially girlfriend, but at least somebody obviously he cared about, stayed in mm-hmm. contact no, they with." They
2: were official before he left. Girlfriend, okay, we he were did.
3: officially girl- boyfriend <laughs> girlfriend before I left, and we left school. it as friends. Just right. To, mm. Yeah, I dated other people. Right. Well, okay, that be white. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um.
1: And then you're like, okay, I'm seeing all this, so. When the two of you connect mm-hmm. and you realize, wow, God has brought us into these parallel trajectories mm-hmm. in terms of what we're realizing. I mean, so I'm just so. At what point does a relationship like make a right turn toward? Okay, this is serious. Um,
2: um, is that a spiritual question? I don't know. Oh no, what? not at <laughs> all. This is a very
1: personal. it's <laughs> totally social emotional. Uh, um,
3: but well, I'm saying it had to be
1: encouraging. It started- I mean.
3: It started, like, the first three months of us just studying separately, right? Mm-hmm. Just separately, friendship, just sharing, hey, I learned this. Hey, I learned that. Like, as he'd email one week, and then I'd respond the next week. And, you know, they're emailing back and forth. But
1: While he's on his mission. While mm-hmm. he's on his mission. The first
3: okay. probably three, three or four months until it was like, wow, like, God's showing us this deep love that he has for us. And... That's kind of what we recognized was the love that we had when we first met each other. God kind of knew who we were and put us together because so we felt yeah. like our relationship was unique. It wasn't, it wasn't purely physical. It wasn't just a young person infatuation fleeing. It was some sort of deep spiritual connection with each other. Wow, the, that it was even know, before, as teen, yeah. as teenagers was kind of like shocking and. Uncertain and like I don't mm-hmm. know what to do with this, but <laughs> right, yeah. But we just by the time we started studying and learning who God was, that that prior relationship became um, clear to us that He had put us together for a reason, and that we knew each other and were friends and had this deep friendship for a reason, right. and so we were able to, you know, at least rely on each other.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, while we're going oh, through this
3: transition of of faith and and learning who who God was, so so yeah, by the end of it, we were committed to each other, um, and then he got kicked off his mission and we planned to get married in a baptist church and that's kind of okay what caused my dad's unhappiness and uncertainty and like why are you on a mission and you're telling my daughter you want to get married in a church (laughs) it's not mormonism right but i don't know it just that's just how god planned it and by then our hearts were not stuck to Mormonism, but we didn't want to disappoint families, so we were still kind of in this in-between, do we plan to get married in the temple, and even though we are not certain that we believe it entirely, or do we not lie about it and stick with who God's showing us we need to be and stand boldly for Him, and so I stood boldly for Him, (laughs) and Moved, um, moved away from home into a bed and breakfast here in Florida and, um, where I, you know, just took refuge basically and was willing to kind of give up all that stuff in my life. So.
1: Wow. And that was before you married Micah?
3: Right. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. So before you married Micah, you came down here to Florida Mm -hmm. to start working here. Yeah. Wow. So
2: and that it that is a good point, right? Some folks it's helpful to completely leave the culture yes. in order to reacculturate.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Certainly
2: I don't know if I could have done it staying in Alpine, Utah. Mm-hmm. Gotten right. completely extricated. I'm sure God could have done it, but it was hard enough for me in Florida.
1: Right. So you started off, and I don't remember if this was on camera, off camera, uh, on air, off air, but you started off saying you kind of wanted to circle around the theme of the cost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That grace has come into your life. You've seen God. You've experienced God in a personal way. You've come to an understanding of the New Testament mm-hmm. and Jesus there. So bring us um, bring us into the whole cost. What has it cost mm-hmm. you, Alicia, to to follow Jesus.
2: And some of that we may have to save for next. Time. Yeah, what are we at for time? I think that's all we have. Wow. <laughs> I know, it's been so, awesome. So, okay,
1: so here's always the question we have <laughs> with our guests willing to do an Alicia part two with us yeah. and go into that because I, I think every person who ends up being in transition, everybody who has work through or is considering the transition out of a performance based religion knows there's a cost Mm -hmm. and has to count that cost. And some people look at the cost and say, the cost is too high. And I'm not going to. I'm going, even though I know it's not right, even though it grieves my own soul and heart, I'm going to stay because I'm not willing to pay the cost. And I'm not going to make any judgments about people who do that. And so if you're listening and you're saying, oh, well, that's me. Is there something horribly wrong with me? Let me say, first of all, no, there's nothing horribly wrong with you. It's simply a stage in the transition process. But we hope that stories like Alicia's and Lynn Mm -hmm. will encourage you to, again, say, look at the cost and evaluate the cost, maybe from the perspective of Jesus Mm -hmm. and not yourself. Well, what yes, is that Fairland?
2: Began fair, Lynn? <laughs> to happen with me as I read the New Testament was this God became so large and became so real that it wasn't really a choice, right? He was real, I wanted him, and, and I became aware that he was so much bigger than a God I'd known previously mm-hmm. and so much more able. That at some point, you just kind of thrust your life in his
1: hands. <laughs> <laughs> just got to take the yeah. leap and go, okay, here I go. Yep.
3: Yeah. Because I right. know that grace is free. It's a free gift. But it does come at a cost. And the cost that I gave up was BYU's, you know, full ride. I could have finished the two years, nothing out of my pocket, or the other two years. I gave up family relationships, friendship relationships, career paths, you know, jobs.
1: Yeah.
2: Wow. left
3: it all for the sake of knowing that I did not want to give up Jesus.
1: All right. And so next time, we'll we'll, talk about that.
2: (laughs) And we'll get to know what she gained and more
3: about
2: the struggles of the loss, right?
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, great. Well, thank you. Thank you for being so candid, so open. I appreciate that. It's encouraged my heart already. We hope it's encouraged yours. And again, no. if you've got questions for Alicia, for us, if this program has sparked something in you, you can always get a hold of us at unveilinggracepodcast.com. That's where we hang out. That's where you can contact us. And we want to be there for you, to encourage you, to pray for you even. So we hope to hear more from you there.
2: Yeah, and we're happy to connect you with Alicia as well, because I think her story will resonate with many
1: people. Yeah, absolutely.
2: We have many good LDS folks that have a sweet heart like Alicia does for the Lord and desiring a relationship with Him, but not knowing how to get there, right? Right.
1: And that's a lot of, what yeah. we want to provide and encourage you into a grace that heals. So, um. Stop.
2: <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll pause it. We can edit hey. that hot. <laughs> Um I get my hair <laughs> <Yes>. Grace
2: <laughs> that and peace be with you? Yes. And next yeah. next time we'll experience a grace that heals.
1: Absolutely How's that. That's perfect. <laughs> Until next time. Bye.
0: Thanks for being with us. And here's an excerpt from next week's episode. By
3: by the point where I got to the decision making right right <laughs> like either you can fake it in both worlds or you have to make a decision so
0: exactly um, i'm not a faking type of person so <laughs> so it it was tough thank you for listening to another episode of the unveiling grace podcast We hope you'll join us next time for another conversation devoted to taking your life and relationships to another level of healing. You may connect with us and leave your questions, comments, plus find the show notes at Unveiling Grace Podcast. That's unveilinggracepodcast.com, where you can experience a grace that heals.